Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Greg Laurie Podcast, a ministry supported by Harvest Partners. I'm Greg Laurie, encouraging you. If you want to find out more about Harvest Ministries and learn more about how to become a Harvest Partner, just go to harvest.org. Let's all pray together. Lord, we've just sung your praises and really worship is prayer set to song because you've given us a new song. And I pray for the people that have joined us tonight. They're kind of wondering what exactly they've walked into. I pray they'll leave with a new song too. I pray that they will leave with a joy like they've never known before. And with a hope like they've never had before, I pray, Lord, that they will leave with you, that they leave with Jesus Christ in their heart. So speak to each one of us now as we open your word. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. What a great night. <laughs> All right, the title of my message is See You in the Morning. How many of you have GPS? Raise your hand. You have GPS. Hey, I don't know about you, but I am navigationally challenged. I get lost all the time. So if I'm gonna take a drive somewhere, I'll punch in the address on GPS. And then you start driving. And I don't know about your GPS, but mine talks to me. It'll say, turn right at the next off-ramp. Turn right at the next off-ramp. And then if I don't turn right at the next off-ramp and I keep going, it says, why did you not turn right at the last off-ramp? Then it will actually say, I told you to turn right at the last off-ramp. So I have to actually go into settings and take out the nag feature so it stops doing that. But sometimes I've had my GPS actually take me to the wrong place because it's not doing its job well. Here we have the sophisticated technology working with satellites. And think about this, God put a GPS system inside of a lot of birds. Birds have a homing instinct. One of them is called the golden plover, native to Hawaii. The plover migrates during the summer to the Aleutian Isles. Now listen, the Aleutian Isles are 1,200 miles away from Hawaii. So these little birds make the trek over there. They lay their eggs and their little fledglings are born. Then the golden plovers just leave. And then they leave the little baby birds to figure it out. I wonder if they, you know, tell them. Now, let me just tell you, you know, you go by Krakatoa, which is east of Java, you know, hang a right, go straight. And no, they don't tell them anything. The little birds are born and without ever having been to Hawaii before, amazingly, they fly there on their own because God put a homing instinct inside of them. So listen, the next time someone calls you a bird brain, take it as a compliment. I believe God has put a homing instinct inside of us too. A homing instinct to go to a place we've never been to before. And that place is called heaven. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. We long for this from the, really the day we're born. And by the way, heaven is not the default destination of every person. You don't get to just go to heaven because you're an American. It's only the destination of those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And I'm gonna tell you how to do that tonight so you can know you will go to heaven when you die. But see, 
we start our lives out on a search. It starts in our childhood. We're just little kids. We think if I just got that toy I saw advertised on TV, I know I would be happy. I remember when I was a little kid, I, I got a pretty good haul for Christmas. I was pretty happy about it, but I had a friend that he got his gifts, and for some reason he got something I wish I had received. It was a little plastic skin diver toy. Now understand, this is the 60s, so things are relatively primitive back then. A little plastic skin diver, you put two batteries in him, you dropped him in a pool, and he sunk to the bottom, and little bubbles came out of him. I thought, I don't like anything that I have. I know I would be happy if I had that plastic skin diver. It's stupid. What's that saying? The only difference between the men and the boys is the price of their toys? Then we get a little bit older and we say, well maybe if I could just find a girlfriend or a boyfriend, then I would be happy. So you get that boyfriend, that girlfriend. Then you say, well if I could just be engaged to them, then I would be happy. So you get engaged. Then you say, well if we got married, then we would be happy so you get married. And you say, well if we could just have children, we know we would be happy so you have children. And then you say, if we could just find a way to get rid of these children, <laughs> we know we would be happy. And then you start looking around and you say, oh man, if I was just single again, I know I would be happy. And on and on it goes. Or you might say, hey, I'd be happy if I had this sexual experience. Or I'd be happy if I tried this drug. Or I would be happy if I had this possession. And on it goes. You know what it is? You're longing for God. Deep down inside, that's what you're looking for. God and you have a desire to go to heaven. Because listen, <laughs> we're celebrating 25 years here of Crusades, it's hard to believe. And then we are looking back at 40 years in our church and I can't believe how quickly the time has gone by. The Bible says in the book of First Chronicles, we're only here for a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days are like a shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Before you know it, you're old. You know, you always looked at those old people and one day you look in the mirror and you're one of those old people. I heard about three guys that were buddies and one day they discovered that they all shared the same birthday. So they decided they would go out and do something fun and they were talking about where they could go. One of the guys said, hey, I hear there's an amazing restaurant down by the water. These guys are in, they're all 50 at this point. There's an amazing restaurant down by the water, one of them says, and they have really pretty waitresses. Let's go. So they go down, they celebrate together. They let another 10 years pass, now they're 60. One of them says, hey, let's go back to that restaurant down by the water. They have really great food. And then another 10 years go by and they're 70. One of them says, hey, let's celebrate down at that restaurant by the water again. They have great wheelchair ramps. And then they hit 80, and uh, they're trying to figure out where they should go. They're amazed they're still around. And, and one of them says, I heard about a restaurant down by the water. Let's go there. We've never been there before. <laughs> before you know it, life's going to end, and then comes eternity. Only a few years ago, my friend Frank Pastore was here. He would lead us in prayer. Now he's in heaven. Last year, Pastor Chuck Smith was still with us. Now he's in heaven. 
Six years ago, I've already mentioned my son Christopher was here with us. Now he too is in heaven. And it's hard, especially with my son, because I still miss him. People say after six years, are you over it? Listen, don't ever ask a person who's lost a child if they're over it. They're never over it. You just get through it day by day. I grieve still, believe it or not, but I do not grieve hopelessly. I grieve hopefully because I know I will see him again. That is the hope of the Christian. That is the hope of heaven. A Christian never says goodbye. We say, see you later. I heard the story of a Christian man who was dying. He was terminally ill. So he called his three boys to his bedside. Two of them were believers. So he said to them, goodbye boys and I'll see you in the morning. Then turning to his third son who was not a Christian, with sadness in his voice, the father said, goodbye son. The boy said, dad, why did you say, I'll see you in the morning to my brothers and not say that to me? And the father said, son, because you've not asked Jesus Christ into your life to be your savior. And what breaks my heart is I'll never see you again. And the boy began to weep and said, Father, I want to see you again. Then you need to trust in Christ right now. And that boy prayed and accepted the Lord so the father could say to him as well, I'll see you in the morning. That's our hope. Will I see you in the morning? Have you put your faith in Jesus? You know, we talk about heaven. It's kind of hard to wrap our mind around this place we've never been to. And the problem is, is our, our minds have been filled with all of these caricatures of heaven from Hollywood and cartoons and, and other sources. And so it's hard for us to imagine what heaven is really like. We wonder, is heaven real? What will we do in heaven? Will we know one another in heaven? What will our new bodies be like? Well, let's answer a few of those questions. Number one, what is heaven like? Simple answer, heaven is an actual place. Jesus said, I have gone to prepare a place for you. Heaven's a real place for real people to do real things, you see? We often think of heaven in a mystical way, sitting around on clouds, plucking harps with fat little baby angels sort of hovering above us. That's not biblical heaven, that's cartoon heaven. No, listen, heaven is a real place. Science fiction writer Isaac Asimov once made this statement, quote, I don't believe in an afterlife, so I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell or fearing heaven even more. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would even be worse, end quote. What a stupid statement. Heaven's not a boring place. The Bible describes heaven as a paradise. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, Next to him was a thief, probably worse than a thief. He was a hardcore criminal because he was being crucified by Rome, so he probably was a murderer, an insurrectionist. We would probably call him a terrorist. He came to his senses hanging there on the cross, and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turned his face to that man and said, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Heaven is a paradise. Paul writes about dying and going to heaven. 
Yes, the apostle Paul was stoned, not that kind of stoned. He was pummeled with rocks and left for dead and he went to heaven. I wonder what happened when he got there. I wonder if the Lord said, Paul, welcome. I have some good news and some bad news. Paul would say good news and bad news. What, what's the good news? Paul, the good news is, is you're coming back again. Paul would then say, what's the bad news? God would say, there's some Christians down there praying that you will be raised from the dead. Paul would say, don't listen to their prayers, Lord. They're sinners. Listen, trust me when I tell you this, no one in heaven, if given the choice, would ever want to come back to earth again because it's paradise. Paul, talking about that experience, said, I knew a man who 14 years ago was seized by Christ and swept into ecstasy to the heights of heaven. I don't know if this was in his body or out of it, but I know this much. He was hijacked into paradise and he heard the unspeakable spoken and was forbidden to tell what he heard. Heaven's a paradise. Number two, heaven is a city. On more than one occasion, the Bible describes heaven as a city. Hebrews 11.10 says, God is the architect and builder of this city. Hebrews 13 says, we have a city that is to come. Now, think of a real city you've been to. Cities have buildings. Cities have culture. They have art, they have music. They have goods, they have services. They have events. Don't think of sitting around on a cloud. Think about the best cities you've ever visited and then think of heaven. Because whatever you've experienced that's great on earth will be so much better when you get to heaven. Because heaven is the original. Earth is the imitation, you see. Heaven is a paradise. Heaven is a city. The Bible describes heaven as a country. In Hebrews 11, we desire a heavenly country that God has prepared for us. Heaven, a country, a city, a garden, a paradise, a place. Now listen, earth's wonderful. God made this earth we live on. And I don't think anyone enjoys life on earth more than a Christian. No one enjoys the beauty of a sunset more than a follower of Jesus Christ because we see the signature of our Father there. We know the God who did that. No one appreciates the love of family and friends more than a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Even Jesus took time to admire a simple flower. And he picked one up and he said, consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil nor do they spin, yet Solomon in all his glory was not as beautiful as one of these. Here's the great thing you need to know. For the Christian living on this earth, this is as bad as it will ever get. So if you're saying to me tonight, hey Greg, my life's pretty good, then that's fantastic because listen Christian, this is as bad as it's ever going to get. But listen, if you're a non-believer, this is as good as it's ever going to get. This is as good. You say, well, Greg, my life sucks. Yeah, that's the problem. It's going to get worse. Way worse. And I'll tell you what I mean about that in a moment. But we have a hope as a Christian that as good as life is on this earth, better things are coming because the best is yet to come. That's good news, isn't it? And God's going to give you a new body. You're not going to become another person. You're going to still be you in heaven. You're just going to be the radically upgraded version. 
The blueprints for your glorified body are in the body you now possess. Heaven is the earthly life of the believer, glorified and perfected. On the other side, we're gonna know more because we're gonna become like him. Sometimes people ask, will we know one another when we get to heaven? What do you think, you're gonna be more stupid in heaven than you are on earth? <laughs> of course you'll know more. God will give you that ability. And we'll be reunited with friends and family. You know, when Jesus died and rose again from the dead, he appeared to his disciples. He was popping up practically everywhere. He's there with Mary at the tomb. He's there with the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. Then he's there with the uh, fishermen apostles down there by the Sea of Galilee. Then we see him uh, appear to 500 people at once. It's like he picked off where he last left off. So if you have a loved one in heaven, let me just ask you, how many of you have a loved one in heaven? Raise your hand. See, that's almost everyone. You'll see them again. You'll be with your family again. You say, but Greg, I have a weird family. That doesn't excite me. <laughs> Good news, they won't be weird anymore. <laughs> and best of all, you won't be weird anymore. <laughs> yeah, but what will we do in heaven? Heaven sounds boring. Or we're gonna be worshiping the Lord. We're gonna be serving the Lord. But here's another thing, we're gonna be eating in heaven. Yes, you heard me right. How many of you like to eat food? Raise your hand. Oh yeah, I thought so. You look like a hungry bunch to me tonight. The Bible says in Revelation, the angel said, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. I love that word supper. I have a lot of friends in the South and when you're gonna go have dinner with them, they say, you wanna have supper? Here in California we call it dinner. I was raised for a number of years by my grandparents. I called them Mama Stella and Daddy Charles. They were from Arkansas, where Jack Graham is from as well, who led in prayer. So every night my grandmother would make a meal from scratch. We're talking the best fried chicken you've ever had. We're talking black-eyed peas, mashed potatoes, collard greens. You ever tried collard greens? Amazing cornbread. But the crowning achievement of my grandmother's cooking was her biscuit. I've never had a biscuit like it before. It, it came out, it almost radiated with lights. Oh, and I just think, man, when we get to heaven, surely the Lord would employ the abilities of my grandmother to make biscuits for us as we sit down and we eat together. Can you imagine not only being reunited with friends and family, but meeting the great patriarchs and matriarchs of Scripture? Matthew 8, 11 says, people will come from the east and the west and take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine sitting down and having a meal with these great men and women of God, and say to Moses, Moses, would you mind passing the manna? Thank you. <laughs> hey Elijah, my meat's a little underdone. Could you give it a little more fire? <laughs> hey Lot, could you pass the salt? <laughs> oh Lot, you're so sensitive, get over it. <laughs> if there was only a heaven, it would be enough. But as they say in those commercials, but wait, there's more. Listen to this. 
As a Christian you will not stay in heaven forever. The Bible tells us one day heaven will come to earth. This will not be a sequel but a remake. God is gonna remake all things in Revelation 21. God says he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, no more pain for the former things that passed away. Behold, I make all things new. That's what God's gonna do. He'll make all things new. Think about it. In this world that is coming, it's out with the old and in with the new. No more terminal diseases. No more hospitals. No more wheelchairs. No more funerals. No suffering. No separations. No accidents. No courts. No prisons. No divorces. No breakdowns or breakups. No suicide, no rape, no missing children, no drug problems, no more heart attacks or strokes or Alzheimer's or cancer. No more famines or disasters because God is gonna make all things new. We all like new stuff. A lot of people are excited about the new iPhone that's coming out. What's it gonna be like? The fanboys are drooling. They want that new technology, that new outfit. Oh, my new TV show's coming on. My favorite show's coming on soon. I can hardly wait. We like new stuff. Listen, God likes new stuff too. He's gonna make all things new. God is not only gonna give you a new body as a Christian, He's not only gonna make a new earth, but right now, tonight, He can make a new you. Change you on the inside. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is an altogether different kind of person. The old things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes fresh and new. God can do that for you tonight, and I'll tell you how that can happen in just a few moments. So listen, this is fantastic. This is the hope of the believer. That's why we can have hope in this crazy world. My hope is not in politicians. My hope is not in government. My hope is not in man-made solutions. Our hope is in God tonight. He's the only one that keeps us going. There's a better world coming. This is for the Christian only. For members only. Remember those jackets for members only? They were big in the 80s. Did any of you have one of those? Some of you I see are still wearing them. The little eplets, remember? For members only. We wore them, for members only. What were we members of? I don't know, but it's for members only. <laughs> hey, what I've just shared with you is for believers only. Now what happens to the non-believer? I'm gonna just be straight with you. What happens to a non-Christian when they die? Well, we have to go with John to heaven to find the answer in Revelation 20. John says, I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them and they were judged each one according to his works. Then death in Hades was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. 
and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is an ominous scene. It's serious. It's sobering. Maybe the most tragic passage in the Bible. Abandon hope, all you who enter here are the famous words above the gates of hell in Dante's poem, Inferno. Who will be there in that day that we've just read about? Listen, everyone who has rejected God's offer of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Who will be there? There'll be sinners there. Now let me explain, there's a lot of sinners and there's variations of sin. First there will be the out and out sinners. Oh, you know them. They hate God. They go out of their way to mock Christians. They have no belief at all. They may be an atheist, but they have no place for God in their life. They even mock God. They're gonna find out the truth of the statement of scripture that says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. So out and out sinners will be there for sure, but listen to this one now. Self-righteous people will be there too. See, these people think they're too good to face judgment. They may be kind, they may be considerate, they may be volunteers, but they don't think they need God. And being at this judgment comes as a shock to them because they thought they could work their way to heaven. But the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. And the Bible says we're not saved by works, but by the grace of God. Number three, procrastinators will be there. These are the people who may have been closer than the other two groups, but they weren't close enough. They weren't necessarily antagonistic toward the gospel. In fact, they would say things like, you know, I would like to believe in Jesus, and one of these days, I think I will believe in Jesus. But that day never came. They'll be there because they effectively resisted God's offer. Listen to this one. Church people will be there. And by church people, I mean people that went to church but didn't know God. Did you know it's possible to go to church and not be a Christian? Going to a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a donut shop makes you a cop. <laughs> Don't get upset. The cops are like, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. No, but going to a church doesn't mean you're necessarily a Christian. You can be baptized. You can be receiving communion. Maybe you even walked down an aisle and prayed a little prayer. But if you never really put your faith in Christ, you could be there in this day because you knew about God, but you didn't know God. I think Jesus has a lot of followers, like people have followers on Twitter. <laughs> you know, you're not really a follower. You're just an observer. Church people will be there. They live double lives thinking they're fooling people. Hey, they put on an act and go to church and act like a Christian, but then they live another way. They talk about heaven and they live like hell. Let me tell you something. You're not fooling God. You can fool all of the people some of the time. You can fool some of the people all of the time, but you can't fool God any of the time. You must receive Christ. So here are all these people. Everyone will get there. 
Doesn't matter if you're a king or a queen or an emperor or a president or a rock star or a billionaire or an actor. If you don't put your faith in Christ, there you will stand. Even Rolling Stone, Keith Richard will be there. Why do I bring up Keith Richards? Because he made a statement in an interview. And I, I'd like to do it in his voice, but you wouldn't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> he said, the devil doesn't bother me. It's that God that blanks me off. I won't use the word Keith used. Him and his reign. You wait until I meet that blankety blank, speaking of God. Then he says, doesn't he know who we are? We're the Rolling Stones. Ooh. <laughs> you know, for years the Rolling Stones have been touring. They're still singing that song, Time is Still on My Side. Have you looked at Keith Richards lately? <laughs> or Mick Jagger? Listen, buddy, time is still not on your side. The Bible says the books will be open. The books are open. What's in these books? One of them's probably a book of God's law or the commandments of God. The Bible says God gave the commandments that every mouth may be stopped and all the world will be found guilty before God. Effectively, the Ten Commandments open our eyes and shut our mouths. Some people say, well, I live by the Ten Commandments. That's all the religion I need. I love it when people say that. I'll say, really? Well, tell me the Ten Commandments. Uh, uh, they don't know them. <laughs> Let me tell you a few of the Ten Commandments. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You shall not commit adultery. Have you ever done any of those things? No, I've never done them. You're lying right now. And check this out. If you've broken one single commandment, that's enough to keep you out of heaven because the Bible says if we offend in one point of the law, we're guilty of all of it. So one of those books may be the Ten Commandments. Maybe another book will be a record of every time you heard the gospel. So you'll say, oh, hold on now. <laughs> no one ever told me about this final judgment. I never heard about Jesus Christ. No, I'm sorry. They'll have a record. Here on earth we have a record of so many things. There'll be a record of every time you've heard the gospel most likely. And maybe even a little replay of it. There you are in Sunday school as a child. Here you are as a teenager walking down the street and someone engaged you in a conversation about Jesus. Here you are a little later going to a church service. Here you are at the Harvest Crusade and you're just looking at your watch wondering how to get out of here you'll be held accountable because you've heard the gospel and knowledge brings responsibility. So we read this and we say, it's not fair. How could a God of love send people to hell? Listen to me now. This God of love, he doesn't send anyone to hell. The last thing God wants to do is to send any man or woman uniquely made in his image to this place called hell. Hell wasn't made for people. Hell was made according to Jesus for the devil and his angels. God wants you to go to heaven. That's why he sent his son on a rescue mission to this planet to die on the cross in our place and absorb God's wrath in our place and to suffer and die and to rise again so you don't have to go to hell. No, God doesn't want you to go there. He wants you to join him in heaven. So here's your choice. You decide your eternal address. You decide by the decision you make about Jesus Christ whether you will go to heaven 
to that paradise, to that place, to that city, to that country, and be reunited with loved ones who've died in faith, and receive that new body, and then see heaven come down to earth again one day, or you can go to this place called hell where you'll be separated from God for all eternity. It's either goodbye or see you in the morning. Listen to this, you don't go to heaven to find Christ. You go to Christ to find heaven. And you can do that tonight. You say, all right, Craig, I wanna go to heaven. Tell me how. Okay, listen. Number one, you have to admit you're a sinner. That's hard for some people. But the Bible says all of us sin have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have broken God's commandments. Every one of us falls short of his standards. Coming back to good people for a moment. Listen, I will concede there are good people out there who are not Christians. And to be really honest with you, I've met some non-Christians that are nicer people than some Christians I've met. But being a good person doesn't get you to heaven. Heaven is not for good people, it's for forgiven people, you see. But even if you're a good person, relatively speaking, listen, you're not good enough because you're not perfect. And Jesus said, be perfect because my Father in heaven is perfect. So you fall short, you're a sinner, recognize that. Number two, realize that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for your sin. Yes, he died for the world, but he died for you. I love the way the Apostle Paul personalizes it. He says, he loved me and he gave himself for me. Listen, Christ died for you. It wasn't nails that held Jesus to that cross 2,000 years ago. It was love for you, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Christ died for you. Number three, you need to repent of your sin. What does that mean? It means you realize that these things you've done are wrong and you're gonna turn from them and turn to Christ instead. The Bible says repent and be converted and times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And then you must receive Christ into your life. Being a Christian is not merely believing a creed. It's not merely going to a church. Being a Christian is having Jesus Christ live inside of you as Savior, as God, as friend. Have you asked him in yet? You'll know if he's there. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock and if you'll hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Only you can open the door of your life. The doorknob of your heart, so to speak, is on the inside. The Bible says, for as many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. You must receive Christ. One last thing, you need to do it now. Now, not tomorrow, not in a week, not in a month, now. Listen, this could be your last opportunity to get right with God. You do not know when life will end, but God does. Don't blow this, don't miss this. You will never regret making this decision to follow Jesus. Let me add one last thing and I'm done. Jesus said, you're for me or against me. 
That means either you believe in him or you don't believe in him. And if you say yes to him now, he'll say enter into you then. If you say no to him now, he'll say depart from me then. You decide. Make the right decision. We're praying you well. Let's all pray together. Father, now, I pray for every person here, every person listening, wherever they are. You see them as individuals. You love them. You sent Jesus to die for them. I pray now that they will see their need for you and that they will come to you and receive the forgiveness that only you can offer. Lord, work mightily in our midst now, we pray, and bring many people to yourself. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody. This is Greg Laurie, and you've just been listening to a classic message from Harvest Ministries. This podcast is supported by Harvest Partners. To learn more and to find out how you can become a Harvest Partner, just go to harvest.org.